Hey, you're listening to the Dangerous Jobs Podcast. My name is Apollonia Rockwell, and I'll be your host as we dive deep into conversations with business owners, safety experts, and boots on the ground from hazardous work sites around the country to learn what it really takes to make safety achievable in dangerous industries. On this show, we love talking about company culture, total worker safety, and greatness in the workplace. Let's dive in. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the True Safety Podcast, Dangerous Jobs here. And we, my name is Apollonia Rockwell. I'm your host, and we have somebody really, really special today. Today, we have Russ Kane, who is the fire chief of our local Galeton Fire Protection District. Russ, how are you doing this morning? All right. How are you, Apollonia? Oh, my gosh. I'm doing great. I'm excited just chatting with you offline, and I'm excited to bring our conversation to the public. Um, we, You do so much for the community, Ross. You do so much for um, your district, for the state, and I just, I, I'm super excited to talk to you, and I'm excited to get more into your story. I don't think everybody knows exactly who you are the behind the scenes um, and just kind of your story on how you got into safety. I have a million questions about what you're seeing on a day-to-day basis and how we're going to tie that all into safety. But first of all, I mean, tell us about how you got into safety. How did you get here? How did Russ get here <laughs> at this just at this department here? Well, it's ironic. I, I was, I was, um, I was adopted by my grandparents uh, when I was about 11 years old back in New Jersey. And my grandfather uh, and my whole family worked for General Motors. And uh, my grandfather worked at uh, General Motors at night as a a tool and die maker for the body shop. And during the day, he farmed. And so um, he uh, he had that uh, dual uh, dual occupations. Um, You wouldn't see him. Um, He was always in a pair of uh, gray or green uh, workman's dickies. (laughs) <laughs> and, um, and, and, and this is years after he retired, yeah. he, this is what he preferred to wear, you know? Yeah. And, and, um, and, and I mean, he, and, and he wasn't a u- unique except for the fact that he farmed during the day, but that was most of the uniform of working class blue collar, New Jersey. Absolutely. And, uh, we happened to be part of what, you know, used to be the garden state. There's probably 250 homes where, uh, I once called my home and, you know, our farm, if you will, and areas that we farmed, but, um, uh, I can remember when he retired and, and he had just adopted me. And um, as a toolmaker over 38 years, you you uh, you start to bring home uh, quite a few of your own personal tools from your shop at work. And yeah. he did so. And um, the first thing I saw um, was this big uh, gang of locks and tags. And this was 1978. And I said, Pop, I said, what, what's that for? He says, it's so the foreman doesn't kill you. And I said, well, what do you mean by that? He says, if you don't lock out those devices that you're working on, they're going to come down and say, what's wrong with this machine and cycle the machine. And he's seen people injured and hurt. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that was my first exposure to like industrial safety. Mm-hmm. And, and um, there were certain tools that I couldn't use by myself. Uh, I was constantly in a state of education on hand tools, carpentry tools and things like that. And um, there were certain saws that I wasn't allowed to use without his supervision. And uh, but there was plenty that he taught me how to use. 
but everything was about safety. I wore safety glasses um, constantly when I was working around uh, chisels and 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 uh, anything that would throw uh, throw materials. But he 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 was a, an example of uh, of a successful like I think or at least a a burgeoning safety culture that was out of General Motors Absolutely. and um and, and and he brought it home you know yeah and he's he had seen uh, men killed and uh, on numerous occasions he was um he also was uh, poisoned with toluene diisocyanate uh, while he was making uh, standard body shot poisoning uh, and uh, I remember him going through that um. And his body had, you know, a, a, a irritant reaction to it and uh, or and uh, it became an allergen for him. Wow. And uh, and so all of these things that, you know, uh, before I went to school, before I chose my occupation, before I because uh, I went to school for uh, environmental planning and design at Rutgers University. Okay. Uh, at the same at the same time, I joined the local volunteer fire department at 15. So I was still doing that stuff. And um, we had. Um, one of the natural thing was, you know, to hire an environmental health and safety manager, uh, at a small, at a small industry or chemical plant. Mine happened to be chemical plant. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then you learned about this, the side that you were, had the deficit from your academics and so environmental was strong, but safety, uh, safety, I had to learn, um, you know, I had to sit down with, you know, 29 CFR 1910 for general industry <laughs> and I have to sit down and immerse myself uh, in that um, to, uh, uh, to properly do my job. And uh, I had a great, uh, I had a great mentor who went on to become a vice president at Sun Chemical. Oh, wow. And the first day, I, the first day I met him, he had a tool belt. He was a, uh, he was a graduate of NJIT chemical engineering. He had a tool belt and he was covered with dyes from one of the machines that broke and said, you're going to need a uniform, lose the tie, and we're going to go out and do some work. And 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 that was a, a wonderful first year in the business. Oh my goodness! Um, and, and you know it was right, it was right there. And and um and and he had said to me, he said the reason we hired you was, uh, you're not the best student. And I and admittedly I was not. <laughs> um and 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 he said we got guys with far better grades in here, but you know, um you you speak in full sentences, you make eye contact. Um, you're big, you know how to use tools and you've been trained as a firefighter and our plant catches fire. Uh, it was 23 or 26 minutes after I started the job, the plant had a lead chromate explosion and, um, uh, luckily there was no injuries, but, um, it, um, it did have a lead chromate explosion and, um, it was, uh, I was like, you guys weren't kidding, you know? This <laughs> so, is no joke. This is no joke. And yeah, this is right. first yeah, day on the job, is, first week on the job, yeah. you're dealing with this. Yeah. Uh, a catastrophe or not a catastrophe, but you know, something major right off the bat. And so what was the safe? I'm so interested. So then what was the safety culture? Like, you know, that word safety culture, what it meant now versus what it meant then and what it, what it looked like then. So what did it look like at that, at that facility? Well, I think, you know, I think there were hints of a safety culture that was building. Yeah. And I think it was for the same reasons my grandfather's was, you know, because they had seen people disabled and injured on the job and no one ever gets rich from that. I mean, I, it, yep. it, it's a terrible, devastating thing. And um, people may get compensated or partially fractionally, but they're never going to they're never going to uh, enjoy that yeah. miracle, uh, you know, that, that people getting 
that people fake car accidents for. You know, yes. it's, it's, it's a taking when you get injured on the job. Mm-hmm. It's serious. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and so that um, what we saw was um, a lot, there was not a lot of nuance with compliance. There was very practical. Uh, we handle flammable liquids every day, acetone, toluene, methyl ethyl ketone. Um, and we don't want to be part of an explosion or a fire. And in the back, in the dry, in the dry section, they handled, you know, flammable and combustible dusts on a routine basis. And um, they didn't want to have those episodes because mm-hmm. um, the business folks didn't want to have an interruption of production. And, of course, the, the average worker wants to go home in one piece like everybody else. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and there was a lot of education. And, again, I, I looped my grandfather back into it. My grandfather had, uh, before he became a skilled tradesperson for General Motors, had worked in the body shop in the 1930s. Mm-hmm. And in those body shops, they used lead filler to take care of, they would use hot lead to actually do body repair. And my grandfather became exposed and lead poisoned as well. Oh, yeah. And I, I can remember running this this first lead um uh, lead, we were above the action level for lead, mm-hmm. and um, we, you know, I ran the industrial hygiene portion of it, uh, training, and, and tried to look for different ways to reduce the lead exposure to our folks. Mm-hmm. We also ran the medical program, which, um, which ironically, OSHA, uh, OSHA limitations at the time um, were ten times higher than public health backgrounds. So we'd have to deal yeah. with the public health inspector uh, occupationally because they were worried about children getting a whole, you know, children ex- uh, being exposed in the household. Mm-hmm. And so we had to let them know they were in part of an industrial managed program. Mm-hmm. And so I, I started, you know, talking to my grandfather, who I still live with in my early 20s, about, you know, lead and zinc photophorin and, and those type of things. And he goes, have them drink milk. <laughs> I, I go, wait, 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 where did this come from? Right. And then he goes, <laughs> I go, how do you know about this? And he's like, oh, yeah. He says, let me see. He says, oh, these are really pretty high. You got to get these down. This shows long-term lead. I'm like, my grand- here's a guy I used to just drink coffee with all day and smoke, and he smoked cigarettes for a while. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I'm sitting in and he just tell me how to do it. You know, I'm like, you know, I said, tell me all about this. He goes, well, the doctors at the plant said, you know, and, and, and he took that to heart. And, and, wow. and I think anybody does once they're educated in the why, right? Yeah, you know? yes. Um, you know, that, that's, I mean, Simon Sinek makes it, uh, it may, you know, it made it famous, but the why has been a, a part of education for a long time. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, so I just, it, again, going back to my grandfather, you know, and so, um, uh, that plant, uh, was probably where I cut my teeth on things like bonding and grounding, uh, flammable liquids handling. We also handled nitrocellulose. Mm-hmm. We were a, uh, uh, we were a, uh, Hercules, uh, certified, a certified handler of nitrocellulose or gun cotton because, uh, your nail polish is made up of about 30% nitrocellulose. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I don't know if it still is or not, but it was at the time. That and pencil lacquer. If you take a look at, you know, like a Dixon number two pencil, that's all nitrocellulose lacquer. Oh, my gosh. Um, which, which the less flammable part is the methyl ethyl ketone. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. Well, this is, this is wild that this is your first experience. This is your first, you know, big kid job and you're, yeah. you have a ton of responsibility like this. And you know, what's so interesting is your perspective on safety is so practical. I can hear that, you know, coming through from your story is that, you know, you didn't go the, 
maybe the traditional educational route where somebody just gets their safety degree and then they're, mm-hmm. you know, you, you, this was ingrained in you and these real life stories, these real life applications have always been with you. And so then getting your, getting your feet wet with this first time job, you gained a tremendous experience on the safety side and, and, the employee side, you see the boots on the ground, how they react to new safety policies. It's different than it is mm-hmm. now than it is back then. And so then where where did your career take you after that? What did that experience really teach you about people and safety? And then what was then what was your next journey after that job? Well, like all young professionals, I was uh, number one. I wanted a paycheck that didn't bounce, and that had happened. Um, imagine a chemical, you know, somebody who has all sorts of federal licenses and, and, and permits bouncing paychecks. And so wow, yeah. uh, I just started to look around. And um, at the time, in the in the uh, in the late '80s, early '90s, um, everybody was getting on board with having someone to manage their environment and health and safety. Mm-hmm. And um, okay. I took a job with an organization called uh, Carry Chemicals, okay. um, and that relationship lasted from uh, 1990 directly as an in-house employee, um, all um, and and still doing some work for them, you know, uh, over the phone and, and conversationally, uh, uh, all the way up until 2022, for oh um, three generations of family, and um, wow. you know. Uh, they had inside folks and everything else, and uh, they just, from time to time, would need some troubleshooting in, in later years. But um, the, uh, um, you know, that that um, that was one of the formative years. We had a plant um, that was pro- probably 150,000 square feet, uh, rail operations, wow. tank farm. Yeah, and they had just take, they just take and, and what happens? It's it's. And I could say that there's a three-year curve to a lot of industries, a lot of small industries. Okay. They'll hire the, they'll hire the safety person yes. or and or the environmental person based upon the last compliance inspection or episode that they have. I agree with you. <laughs> yeah. They'll, they'll they'll get they'll and it, by the way, it's human. It's not nothing more than human nature, right? And so they'll hire that individual, and they'll bring them. That individual will get them to the 80th to 90th percentile. Yes. And yes. then some financial hit, financial issues will hit, and they'll cut corners a little bit, yeah. and either make that person leave or that individual. Uh, and again, it's you know you hire somebody uh, fresh out of school. Odds are they're not going to be with you in three years. Right. I mean, it, it's something that might have to be embraced or looked mm-hmm. at, and you lose that institutional knowledge when they move on, right? Mm-hmm. And so you know you spent three years and walking that plant and. Um, that w- that plant was a, a polyvinyl chloride um, uh, wire covering manufacturer, basically insulation on wires. And um, and then they did other things like, um, for example, uh, some of the floor mats in, in, in industry is or floor mats underneath your chair for the rollers so that it messed the carpet up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They made the yeah. Material- yeah, they made the materials for that, okay. and um, they made the materials basically for you know wire and cable covering, and then. Um, uh, there, there's a variety of other things that they've branched out to boot soles and, and anything that's PVC, rain gear, you know, that type of stuff, flexible PVC. And then there was a rigid side and a rigid side made construction profiles, just like the 
the framework for um, for windows and, and things like that that you see your plastic you know plastic replacement windows and things like that and a lot so, of injuries at that plant or that was pretty it was a little bit different and, and, and this is a theme this is a theme that has been through all my association with uh, chemical even into oil and gas um, there's very few chemical exposure issues mm -hmm. um, at these plants relative to back injuries and practical safety issues, you know, forklift Gosh, yeah. problems and, and things like that. And, and, and I would say it accounted for less than 1% of the issues. Wow. Um, the chemical side of it mm -hmm. did, although the compliance side of that was, was tremendous. And, and of course your training is, you don't, you don't want to get, I mean, you don't want to have people sick or anything like that. So you want to make sure that you train people uh, to, you know, to properly, uh, to properly handle the materials, to properly use your PPE, you know, use their engineering controls and, you know, in, in that hierarchy and, uh, and do those things correctly. And so there's, um, there's a lot that went on to that. A lot, again, another facility that used lead, a lot of industrial hygiene there, lead, barium, uh, at the time, chromium. Yeah. And these were usually additives for the material, less than 1% or 2% of the material. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so, uh, but they still had to be managed. They're on the OSHA Z table and they had to be managed uh, according to any, you know, uh, chemical specific standards and or uh, basic, um, you know, permissible exposure limits and, and, and TLVs and uh, time weighted averages and things like that. And so, you know, and some had a medical requirement like lead where you have to yeah. monitor the workers at some frequency. Yeah. Uh, and we went, we went, we, when I first took over, we had 25 people in medical monitoring. By the time we got done, we had, I think one or two. Oh my yeah. goodness. So then what did, what was the culture like? I mean, that probably ebbed and flowed. I mean, just hearing about what you're talking about and, and I don't know how big the safety team was in addition to you, but well, I mean, what, what was everyone's mindset? Well, I mean, the, the key is, is, is that, um, you know, um, the safety, the safety team has to be in supervision. Yeah. yeah it so has to be, in, cool. it, has, it has to be ingrained in supervision to be successful. And yeah. we had some plant managers that were, very curious and all about learning and how to do things better. And then we had people who rejected it all the time and only did it because of the, you know, chain of command and the authority being pushed upon them by upper management. So, uh, and th those are old school folks, but you also had old school folks that embraced it too. So, okay. um, yeah. And you knew the difference between the supervisors and they started to get evaluated as part of their evaluation in this particular plan is how many people do you have in a lead program and why? Oh, wow. And, and they started to take a piece of their cash for that. And so, uh, and I thought that was a appropriate. It wasn't too popular. Yeah, I can <laughs> but, imagine. Uh, I can yeah. imagine not. But I have, I've seen that interviewing, talking to people, clients, whatever it is. I've seen when managers or operations um, are incentivized and with having a different perspective of safety. And like you said, mm -hmm. safety needs to not just be a safety department. That doesn't make any sense. But when safety is right. a part of everyone's responsibility, but then it's measured, then there's the other pieces that it's measured. And, you know, if there's 
raises or anything like that tied to how well do you execute a safety program and you're an operations manager, you're going to have a better chance at executing that safety program. So that makes sense. And then, um, okay. And and it's interesting too, just hearing you say the majority of the injuries, no matter the, the, the plant, no matter the industry, it, it went back to the basics. And it was those types of injuries that were most common in that plant, Mm -hmm. you know, back injuries, sprains, forklift and, you know, forklift things, um, property damage stuff like that. And so that's, yeah, that is interesting. And and I, I find that universal. Right. And so, Mm -hmm. um, so then how did you, how, or did your perspective change when it came to safety, when it came to executing a, a safety program, you know, did your techniques change? Did anything, did anything like well, that well, for you? Was that different when you left? In, in order for me to learn the job, I actually, you know, I put on a jumpsuit and I started to, you know, work a shift or two at each position. Oh, that's amazing. You know, with, with people. And, um, yeah. and I learned about it and I'm like, why is this good? And, and we could figure out why certain people had, you know, for example, lead exposure problems. Mm-hmm. Because it, um, they would ingest lead accidentally by biting their nails. They'd take their gloves off and bite their nails. And so, or they were smokers. They wouldn't wash and they'd go outside and smoke. And there's, a, I mean, if you want to smoke, fine. But there's a there's a cost to putting your fingers to your lips in a chemical environment, you know? See, there's that practical and, side coming out again is that, hey, to be the best safety or environmental, whatever, compliance coordinator, I, I needed to be the, what I just heard you said is I, I, I worked, in I, I worked alongside. Yeah. I spent the time with the people, and that's how I learned how we were ending up in these yes. scenarios and these in these safety sensitive scenarios. So that's so interesting. Okay, so anyway, I didn't mean to cut yeah. you off there, but if you if you come in on third shift and start working with people, mm-hmm. and and um, and you do that. Um, third shift is always, or the night shift or whatever, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, right. Yeah. They're always the, the redheaded stepchild. <laughs> right. And, and, and you come in and you say, yeah. right. But you know what? They're also some of the, the most productive workers and people that can be left alone without a lot of soup. And it's just my experience. It's all anecdotal. Um, but that's been my experience. Um, your third shift folks, um, just want to be left alone to work, <laughs> but when you pay attention to them, when you include them as part of the group, um, they, uh, they respond very well. Um, and, and whether you're working beside them or just coming in to chat with them a little bit in the lunchroom, um, and, you know, in a fixed facility, um, that's, that's really, um, that's really a benefit. It goes um, a long way. It does. It does. I mean, you know, you'll get a call the next day. Hey, uh, I just got up. I want to tell you about something last night. Yeah. You know? yeah. And, and yeah. It's really, it's really good stuff. And, um, uh, th- there has to be an inherent level of trust. I mean, yeah. and I can remember, one kid I had a real issue with. He was a day shifter, and um, he had um, he never wearing safety glasses. Never, you know, always the little things, right? And he managed to uh, spill some uh, spill some creosote creosote uh, creosote based chemical on his skin. Oh, wow! And if you've ever had that happen to you, it's there's a burning sensation. And then there's a um, and usually like a, a, a first degree mm. welt that'll be left on mm-hmm. you, and and he didn't follow his PPE requirements for the position, and and he was genuinely scared because he read the SD, then the MSDS now the SDS, yeah, yeah. Um, and and he read about you know the Dre's test and the effects and possible skin cancer and and things like that, and he was 
completely frightened that he may get, you know, like I, said, I had to explain cancer risks to him and carcinogenic risks. And, you know, it's, 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 it's not necessarily it's going to happen tomorrow or it's going to happen at all. It's, yeah. It just could happen, mm-hmm. you know? And, and, um, and so we had, um, and after that, he was locked on with wearing his PPE. And he was, you know, maybe 21, 20. Um, and, and, you know, yeah. and he would you know, always be mouthing off. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Everyone and, has and, that and, person or those people in the company. Yeah. 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 And, and, you know, he was, um, I don't know, I was 23 or 4. I wasn't much older. <laughs> and, and, but, but he, you know, I said, I said look, I'm going to get you to the dock. And he's going to explain the risks. And we'll, we'll get this. We'll, we'll get you settled down on this issue, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. I said, but this is why I tell you to do stuff, you know. And so mm-hmm. he's like, yeah, I get it now. I was like, all right. <laughs> um, and, you know, and, and, and we went, you know, he went on and I went on doing my career. So, And, um, and not all the time does an employee obviously experience that, right, where they finally get that awakening moment and thank goodness nothing, yeah. nothing severe happened to this gentleman. It was something – you know, minor and he had that learning lesson, but for the, for the employee that is maybe that old school mindset, or maybe they are the 21 year old that's at the, at the company and they're just yeah. fighting, fighting safety, fighting safety. What have you found from your experience? How, what is the best way to manage that situation? Because you have a lot of either safety professionals or ops mm-hmm. managers and they're wearing all the hats, right? Their safety, their ops, and they're trying, let's say they're just trying to take their safety culture. They're trying to take that culture to the next level this year, but they have some of that old school or whatever that mindset is. What, did, what mm-hmm. have you found that is the best technique to attack that or approach that? Well, I mean, I think it's a combination of education and discipline, right? Yeah. It's like, I'm going to tell, I'm going to tell you, the proper way to do this. I'm going to, we're going to educate and we're going to have a conversation and I want you to really understand that why I really do. Um, but I'm going to be there to make sure you do it. And if you don't, there's got to be a consequence, mm-hmm. um, and change of behavior. Mm-hmm. And that's, and that's, and, and we all know our different, you know, our different, uh, improvement pl- programs or disciplinary programs, whatever you want to call yeah, them. Yeah. Um, but you have to be, um, and it's something I learned in, in, in California working for Cal fire. Uh, there's quite a few inmate crews there, and the best successful inmate supervisors were firm, fair, and consistent. Mm-hmm. And uh, and these are people who are who are who are um, who work on a fire. And that program's kind of going away because of um, uh, because of different policies in California. But they had about three thousand firefighters that would go where the bulldozer didn't. And how do you manage somebody who has a chainsaw, two chainsaws, and how do you get them to do that type of hard work? Yeah. And um, you're firm, fair, and consistent with them. And, oh, um, and that, that was something I, 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 I did not run those crews directly. I had interactions with them, but they, um, and watching the, the, the most successful supervisors, um, that's all people want to know is the rules. Yeah. They want them applied consistently and fairly to everyone. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and, and people want to be respected regardless of what their stature is, well, yeah, um, you know, in, in that inmate crew. And that's what I'm saying. Yeah. You know, they just want to be respected. Mm-hmm. And, and that, tends to work. I mean, you know, not always, but that's why you have the hammer and, you know, you, you may have to let people go. You know, that's just the way it is. But, um, but as long as you're firm, fair and consistent, I think 90% or at least 80% of folks will respond to that. You know, I agree so. with you. I, I definitely agree with you. I, I, I oftentimes, you know, I've never talked about this on, on a podcast before, but 
oftentimes I get employers that call and whether they're, they're clients or not, but I get the same question of, Hey, I have a bad egg. And we don't talk about this a lot in safety or in, in the private sector is that, Hey, I have somebody that's constantly fighting me. What, what safety program can I put in place or what, what program will solve this? What's like the solve all. And and now I'm like, there is no program to, to weed out bad mindsets. And when you're right. fair, what, what, what was that a line again? A fair, firm, fair, and firm, consistent. fair and consistent. And you are, you yeah. are already doing those things. Unfortunately, at the end of the day, you will have to part ways with somebody that just doesn't yeah. get it. Like you can't policy out a negative bad egg. You have to remove them because they will be cancerous to the team and mm-hmm. something bad is going to happen all the time with that person. It, it could be your best technical person. Yes. And, yes. And they often and, are. And then, yeah. And, 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 and then, you know, and then there's, you know, and, and some of those folks also understand the art of hostage taking. Yeah. And yes. they, they take your business hostage. Oh my gosh. It, yeah. It, it, it's, it's, um, it's a terrible thing for them personally, I think. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, and I, and I look back in self-reflection of, you know, myself ever been that way. And certainly I probably have, yeah, yeah. you know, and, um, you know, th- those type of things, uh, um, you know, it, think of yourself at 24 or 25 or, or whatever, how th- differently you think now. I mean, you know, it, it, whether you're 57, like I am, or I'm, I'm I think you're what, under under thirty and forty. <laughs> I think so I'm gonna guess you're around that age, but um, yeah. um and uh, but you're younger than I am, and the younger self, you know, if hopefully as you as you age, you're looking at your younger self and saying, uh, I can see it in other people, right? And yeah. the good and the bad. Yeah. So, well, it's I, just an evolutionary process. Yeah, and being and and that respect piece too. I love how you said firm, fair, consistent, and treating everyone universally with respect. The same respect that you would treat the supervisor as the new hire, as the owner, as you know, you know that that just goes a long way. And uh, I love that perspective. I think that. Um, you can't go wrong. Right. And I, and one thing I want to go back to and honor you for is just your connection to the people piece. You know, I just, I hear you a lot of people, a lot, a lot of people and questions I often get to is how can I be more successful or influential as a safety professional at my company? Like uh, people hate the, hate the safety department or they hate me. Yeah. What do I, what could I do to be successful? And I think you answered just that in, in the show today is, get to know the people and get to know the work yeah. and that, it, that with the respect and how you're treating everyone at the company is going to go a long way, especially when you're enforcing tough programs, you know, ch- programs right. that will change um, a way somebody does work. But the way I want to end this uh, Russ is I just want to, I want to ask you what you're really excited about right now. What projects are you working on? Or, you know, it could, mm. and that's, that's uh super general that could be with the department that could be in life. What's, what's on, What's important in your life right now? What's what's exciting you? Well, I mean, the department is my is my passion, and yeah, um, we've uh, we've five years ago uh, we came in and um, 
stabilized and 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 put a good consistent uh basic response package to an area that deserves it and um yeah. uh, and I could say that you know that a lot of rural America isn't getting the care that it needs. Yes, uh, we've been we've been blessed with oil and gas, and and uh, we manage those resources very uh, frugally and responsibly to impact insurance rates and the, the moral obligation of making sure that grandmothers get cared for or grandfathers get cared for within a reasonable amount of time mm-hmm. with with a with a good response option um, and. Uh, I think that we're, we're reorganizing again. Um, we're kind of going at different plateaus and um, we have now a consistent supervisory package. Um, uh, that's exciting. We're getting to train two brand new supervisors. Uh, and as such, we, you know, we, our goal is to have 30 volunteers. We're somewhere in the mid twenties. We're training seven right now. Oh, wow. I'm going away from this meeting. Wow. Um, and, and, and while a lot of rural America or America is hurting for volunteers, mm-hmm. we seem to be doing very well. And I think that's the inertia that we create in training and energy. And, and, and we're a career, we're a developmental fire department, mm-hmm. um, fire, I should say fire and EMS. Mm-hmm. EMS is, is 50% of our job. And uh, it's probably the most impactful to anyone's life. Absolutely. And uh, we take a lot of, we take a lot of, um, a lot of, a lot of pride um, our values are safety, service, and work. Uh, safety, meaning that um, we're here for the, the safety of the community, uh, which includes ourselves. Uh, we can't help anybody if we're disabled. Um, our service, is there's nothing below us. Um, we'll go down and help unclog the sewer plant several times a year. That's, uh, and, and, and that's what it's about. And, and, and it nearly uh, um, religious values in that, in that sense. And then there's work in our, our community, whether you're working in the oil industry or you're working in the ag industry, uh, this is about hard work. There's no yes. quiet quitting here. Yeah. There's no, um, uh, you, you know, the, the, it, this is about dirty blue collar work. I love it. And sitting in motion for eight hours a day of your, uh, of your 24 hour shift, mm-hmm. um, whether that is training to be better at what you do, mm-hmm. or that's taking care of all of the public investments or doing, uh, or, or doing things for the community, mm-hmm. and and um, and we we like we like Galton and our communities, Barnesville, and you know those those historic communities, um, yeah. and uh, we like being part of that mm-hmm. and part of that energy. When um, some of that energy, uh, just by just by dynamics in society, have moved off the farm, mm-hmm. if you will. And so hopefully, we can bring we can bring some of that energy back. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm, I'm excited about our next step. And I'm always excited about developing young professionals. We we have placed about 50 personnel in full-time jobs since we've started in other places. Oh, my gosh. That's incredible. Those are incredible yeah. numbers. I mean, wow. Yeah, and and, I, and I'm, I just pinch myself. Wow. But the, the problem is we're always doing it because we're turning them over. Right? Yeah, it's going to be hard. Makes sense. Yeah, yeah, and and, that, and look, anybody who employs people understands that. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, but, you know, you, your your best ones are always challenged to keep them home, but mm-hmm. sometimes you don't. So, oh my gosh! Um, and yeah. yeah, so we design a system that's resilient to turnover. Okay. So that's um, that's, and we do our best with that. You know, too. Um, something you mentioned made me think of this: is on a practical level. Um, 
how important it is that small businesses, large businesses, that we connect with our local fire departments. You know, that's that's one thing on a very practical level to take away for listeners today is have you contacted the local fire departments in your area where your employees are exposed to? Because, you know, our clients being in the Greeley Bays, Weld County, um, but they're working in these rural areas and these job sites that the fire departments don't just know where we're at, what hazards we're exposed to. I mean, that was, and, and, go ahead, go ahead. And, and a lot of times they're not addressable. They don't have addresses. Yes. And, yeah. and, um, and um, we've, we've been very fortunate um, as far as our ability to find things. And, mm-hmm. and, and uh, I think it's important that we exchange business cards before there's an emergency. Um, yes. And one of the challenges with the, oil, you know, for example, oil and gas is that um, there's a lot of dynamics within those large organizations that may take one person from one geography to another. Mm-hmm. And so you might not see them. So you have to refresh those contacts. I mean, I have a set of contact cards here and, you know, we're involved with the uh, the CPRN, the uh, Colorado Preparedness and Response Network, which is a great way of plugging in. But that's a, that's just big oil. Mm-hmm. Um, but we all, we have ag entities here that, yeah. you know, we have five dairies uh, and, and I have everybody in speed dial on those dairies. And so, um, you know, we all come together as a community, whether it's a snowmageddon mm-hmm. and we need help getting our trucks pulled out or they need help on something and, and, and we can get them uh, a service and taken care of, you know, quickly. And it's always good that, you know, there's a there's a part that, you know, the relationship and, yeah. and, and I don't want to be romantic about it, but there's a very pra- pragmatic part about being relatable to people yeah. and understanding, you know, who, who you're helping out. Yep. Um, and you know, it's, it's just been, um, and that's the door's always open here. We're not, a, we're not a, a extraordinary regulatory body. Yeah. We're more of a practical, you know, we'll help you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Type group. Um, we do, you know, there are certain things we do regulate and have to, you know, be firm, fair, and consistent with, but, um, mm-hmm. but, um, there's, there's far more that we, that we do from an educational perspective. I think we had done some work with, with you at 4X a while back yeah. uh, in 1888. And, yeah. and, and that was just great having a group of people there that, um, having a group of people there sitting on, you know, truck bumpers and chairs and, yeah. and just, just talking about it as practical blue collar folks. And so, Absolutely. Um, yeah, so get connected. I mean, um, and it's one of the challenges between, you know, the academics that, you know, unfortunately, a lot of our academic institutions um, send people into the field with an air mm-hmm. that's unrelatable. Mm-hmm. And um, yes. we need to stop that. Yes. It needs to get we need to get it back down to earth and take the science and get it to the people if it's going to be any good. Yes. And so that's it. You know, your common theme. So. You are so practical. It makes me so happy. I, I think, talk, you know, talking to so many safety professionals or just people in this industry, we could get caught up in these theoretical programs. And, you know, you're very to the point. And I think the biggest takeaway, there's so many takeaways from today's conversation, but one of the big ones is getting connected. And that is every single person, no matter where you're listening, it is vital that um, if you are op safety owner of the company, it is important that your company is connected to your local fire departments, or at least where your employees are exposed to working on projects, remote locations 
locations, get connected. I love what you said. You would love, I mean, you heard it from the fire chief himself. You would love to exchange business cards before an emergency and the better relationships that you can develop with those local fire departments, um, the more successful that you will be in case of an emergency, in case something happens, um, your chances increase to protect your employees um, are there when, when you have those types of relationships. So I, I really, really appreciate your time today, Ross. I know you're so busy and I just want to honor you again for everything that you're doing for our community. Um, and I just, I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Is there any, any final thoughts here? I uh, no, just thank you. And it's great to work with you again. And I, I look forward to working with, uh, with everybody in the area and, uh, we'll, uh, We'll have fun. There's no excuse for small in a small town fire department. No excuse for uh, not contacting them. They're very relatable. Uh, the bigger the fire department, a little more difficult it's going to be. Sure, you sure. know, with you know, with a lot of runs and stuff. But yeah. you know, we're here for you. Give us a call, and we'll and we'll do our best to stay connected. And um, if you're working in this area, stop in for a cup of coffee or or a bottle of water, and we'll uh, uh, we'll get we'll just at least exchange those business cards, right? Thank so, you. Oh my gosh. It. Thank you for that opening. Thank you for that open door. We'll go ahead and link um, for those listening that are local. We'll go ahead and link up that, that contact information to, to yeah. Gailton, to um, this unit specifically. So people can have that first point of contact and not be so afraid uh, to approach you guys. So thank you so much. And um, we will chat again soon. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.